0: One thing that is really clear to me is that pickleball players are becoming more and more interested in drilling to improve their game. Just today I had a drill session and I had 20 people show up. I expected four or five. Anyways, in this Pickleball Fire podcast episode, Christy McDonald talks about fun drills to help improve your game. Plus, she really has an amazing story about what pickleball has done for her. So, let's get to the intro to hear from Christy. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Christy McDonald. Hi, Lynn. Hey, it is great to have you on the podcast, and... You have a fantastic story, which I know because you are the first podcast guest that I've had on the show that I actually met in person before doing the podcast. We actually saw each other at the Oxford Pickleball Club last weekend. So I have quite a bit of your backstory, which, like I said, is fantastic. But what I'm going to do is normally when I start, I do like to get a little bit of your background in terms of how you first heard about Pickleball, got started playing, and how long ago that was.
1: Great, Lynn. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And it was a pleasure meeting you in person. I didn't know that I was your first interviewee that uh, you met in person, but I'm honored to meet you and to be on your podcast today. I was born and raised in Southern California, grew up my whole life in Los Angeles area. And for 20 years I played a sport called paddle tennis. Now a lot of people ask me about that sport but it's very similar to pickleball except there you play it with a dead tennis ball and there's no kitchen. So it's pretty fast paced and I loved it and that is the game I especially like to play on Venice beach and that was the game that I played for 20 years. However, a life changing event occurred in 2016 I was painting a second-story roof on a real estate property I own. And I had a very unfortunate ladder fall accident, which resulted in broken bones and some pretty destructive knee damage. And at that time in my life, I went from a very active outdoor and sports playing person to wheelchair-bound. I think it was a devastating event. I think not only physically, but I think motion emotionally and psychologically. It was a very difficult time in my life. And I could not bear weight on either leg. So I was wheelchair bound until I could have an operation on one knee and then rehab enough a year later to have an operation on the other knee. So during that time, I two things happened. I think I became very Depressed and worried that my activity, my sporting activities and events were over, and I w- gained a lot of weight. So, by the time I started getting some mobility, my daughter was playing volleyball for Virginia Tech. And in 2018, November of 2018, I was visiting her in Virginia for a volleyball tournament. And I was in the stands talking to some parents, and they said, Oh, your daughter says you used to play a sport very competitively. I said, yeah, I used to play a game called paddle tennis. And they said, oh, we've never heard of that. Explain it. So I started explaining to them what paddle tennis is. And they said, oh, you mean pickleball. And I said, pickle what? They said, well, you're describing the game of pickleball. And I said, trust me, I've never heard the word pickleball before in my life. And I do know the sport I played for 20 years was called paddle tennis. And they said, Well, you're describing a game that they play down at the recreation center in the mornings. So I think maybe you should go check it out because I think they just maybe call it something different here in Virginia. Well, that night I remember thinking to myself, Well, I don't know what they're talking about, but it definitely sounds interesting. So the next morning it was starting to snow out and I drove to the Christiansburg Recreation Center. I walked in and I saw a group of people playing a game on the court with some taped lines and a plastic wiffle ball. And they were having the time of their life. I could hear that distinct ping of the pickleball paddle, pickleball off the paddle. And I could also hear lots of laughter. So I hobbled in, I had knee braces on both knees and I sat there and watched them for a few minutes. And then one of the guys says, Hey, you want to give it a try? And I just couldn't help myself. I, uh, Got the paddle. I went on to the court. They explained the the rules, which were a little bit confusing with the whole kitchen idea, but I picked it up pretty quick and uh, I won that game. And they said, You could do this. And I have an extra paddle. So I bought a used paddle for $10 from somebody I met at the recreation center. And that began my rehabilitation, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally. And Almost exactly a year later in November of 2019, I'll never forget hobbling up to the gold medal podium and accepting my gold medal for winning the national championships for women's doubles at uh, Indian Wells, California for the national championships. And I've been a believer ever since, and now it's my mission to Bring pickleball into the lives of others so they can enjoy it and use it as recreation and therapy, like I have for the last few years.
0: Now, I do have to ask you you mentioned that you had difficulty getting to the top of the podium. How is it that you ended up winning at nationals when it sounds like you were still really limited in your movement?
1: Yeah, so funny that you asked that. I teach people when they come to my classes that. Pickleball is somewhat about movement, but it's more about preparation, anticipation, and communication. And if you can anticipate and prepare and communicate, then you can make your opponents do all the running and you can stay in a relatively small amount of space and still win the game.
0: Wow, that is quite a philosophy. So actually, I'm going to I'm going to take a minute to dive into that a little bit because I think that's a really interesting idea because even I'm fairly mobile, I don't have an ACL on one of my one of my knees, so I always am a little bit careful, but I'm still pretty pretty mobile. And I'm trying to imagine a day when I'm probably not going to be so mobile. So how is it that, what can I do in terms of the preparation and the anticipation that would allow me to move less on the court? And really be smarter about the game?
1: So I think it starts with being really aware of where you are on the court, aware of where your partner is on the court. That's the beginning. And then secondly, being very aware of where your opponents are, both of them at the court, on the court. I'm a special ed teacher. So for almost 30 years, I did observations for a living and then I would make detailed notes. And about everything I observed. So I became a very keen observer. So I know where my opponent is going to hit the ball before they know where they're going to hit the ball. I watch where their hips and their feet and their shoulders are. And then I watch where the ball contacts the paddle. And then I know before that ball leaves the paddle. If they're going to lob it, drive it, or dink it, and then I do the preparation from there. So that's the anticipation, and then I make sure I'm in the right spot, and then I make sure that I'm communicating with my partner so that one of us is going for the ball and the other one is preparing for after the hit of the ball.
0: Now, it's, that seems like I don't know that a lot of pickleball instructors talk about that and teach that. I think a lot of people are really into the technique, even though I think pickleball doesn't require as much technique as some other sports. So how can people learn to have that level of anticipation?
1: So I think that what I try to do is I try to break down the game into very small parts. Rather than looking at pickleball as a whole, I look at just the serve and I dissect the serve. Where is it that I can serve the ball that I can make my opponent have the most difficult time returning it? And then I break down the return. How and where can I return a ball so that it's the most difficult for them to drive it, lob it, or dink it? And then it's about communication so that my I communicate a lot so some people love it, some people not so much. But if you play with me or against me, I'm going to be talking in, out, me, you, every shot, because time is everything in pickleball. You can do two things. You can take away your opponent's time and give give yourself the gift of time. And really, pickleball is about who wins the game of time.
0: Interesting. I love that philosophy. And
1: one of the questions that I want to
0: back up and ask, I kind of got off a little bit on a tangent because I thought what you had to say was really interesting was that you played paddle tennis for 20 years. And I grew up in Southern California. In fact, when we were talking at Oxford, we both discovered we were both born in Redondo Beach, probably at South Bay Hospital. And I did play, I remember in junior high playing paddle tennis. Right. And I forgot that it was kind of like a dead tennis ball. But is there, what is it that you kind of brought from paddle tennis into pickleball that might be unusual for people to bring into a sport or did everything just pretty much carry over fairly well?
1: Well, there there are enough similarities that it carried over, but what the biggest difference between paddle tennis and pickleball is there's no kitchen line, which means that the court isn't divided. Divided into an area where you can volley it and an area you can't volley it. And the tennis ball moves probably two or three times the speed of the pickleball, which means your anticipation, preparation, and communication are a hundred times more important than in pickleball. So I'm bringing all of those skills that I use to be very competitive in paddle tennis over to pickleball, which I think are underutilized in pickleball.
0: Interesting. Very good. Now, I think as people hear this podcast, they are probably going to want to have the opportunity to work with you on the court. And I know that you have a place there in Virginia, and then you also travel around the country. Talk a little bit about those two things and, and how people maybe can connect with you.
1: Sure. I'll start first with before the pandemic. My spouse is an engineer, and we would travel all around the world. And what I thought would be fun is to take some pickleball teaching materials, like a short net, a half net, and some paddles and some balls. And everywhere we would go all over the world, I would do demonstrations, clinics, introduction, and I would go to paddle sports or tennis centers. For example, I would go to, in China, uh, I set up a little demonstration on the Great Wall. In India, we went to Taj Mahal and we set up a demonstration. And I started really networking with a lot of places that wanted to learn about pickleball. And it began my teaching part of pickleball that I didn't know I was going to fall into. But it really gave me the drive and the love to grow the sport, teach the sport, and bring it to everybody. Now that the pandemic hit, it changed two things in our lives. I retired. Uh, from being a special ed teacher and since our daughter lived in Virginia we retired to Virginia and since I was so bored during the pandemic and no rec centers or parks were open there was an opportunity to buy a piece of property that we converted into a pickleball resort so now I travel around the country still doing what I used to do internationally introducing the sport giving clinics and classes but hoping That they'll come and join us at our pickleball resort in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Southwest Virginia, right side right outside of Roanoke at Smith Mountain Lake, because my new love about the thing that I love the most now about pickleball is teaching. And I'm hoping that people will come to my resort so they can have fun at my clinics and classes and camps that I provide.
0: And I know that it's a beautiful place. You sent me a link to the location there on Airbnb. And like you said, you want people to have fun. And in addition to having fun on the court, you also have fun doing stand-up comedy.
1: Yes, I do. Kind of fell into that as well. When I was trying to get back into shape and I would go to like spas or resorts I started doing stand-up, making fun of myself and my journey and trying to lose weight and get back into shape. And it sort of became a hobby of mine to go to different places and do stand-up routine. And then when I started teaching all my clinics and classes and giving lessons, I realized that all of my students were just comedy gold. And then I started doing stand-up routines, kind of sort of making fun of myself and other pickleball fanatics and all of the things that we commonly do out on the court, which are actually quite comical. And so I've bought, I've melded my two passions, pickleball into comedy and comedy into one. And so I do have one night when I had a pickleball comedy night and somebody videoed it. So now people can watch the comedy show on YouTube.
0: That's awesome. And I did have a chance to watch some of that and it is well worth a listen. I will definitely link to that in the show notes so people can see that. Now, I would imagine that you as a teacher, you have a lot of fun. And I think you mentioned that you've got some interesting pickleball drills, which might be better termed fun pickleball drills.
1: Yes. I think one of the unique things about me is, Like I said before, I come from a special ed background, which means I spent my entire life adapting curriculum that can be enjoyed by people of all kinds of different ages and abilities or disabilities. So I've used that skill to adopt pickleball curriculum or pickleball lessons so that whether you're a beginner or a very advanced player, I can make up games, drills, and exercises that I think people enjoy, whether they're, it's their first time playing pickleball or their thousandth time playing pickleball. And for the beginners who are just learning, I don't have it be so competitive. I don't keep score. They just learn the skills by doing my games and activities. But then there's all the competitive players that want to advance their skills. And then I do some of these games and activities where we keep score I have games that I've made up that I can talk about a few. Okay, so I play a dinking game that's kind of like ping pong. You know how before you start a ping pong game, you hit the ball across the net several times easy and in play and you do ping pong rally on? So I make a dinking game called dink dong rally on, which means the ball must land in the kitchen five times before you're allowed to speed it up or do an attack shot. And I think it really makes people be way more patient than they normally are. And also, it makes people really think about when is there an attack shot and when there isn't an attack shot.
0: I love that. That's And you called that
1: dink dong? Yep, dink dong rally on. I just stole it from ping pong rally on. And then I think everybody's favorite game is I made up a game called winner and there you play it just like pickleball with one huge difference. Serving is the same scoring is the same, except if one team hits a a clear winners defined that it's before it, somebody can get to the ball then whether you served it or not, your team gets two bonus points. And the reason that I love playing this game is that it if you are used to popping it up, not only did you pop it up and you gave the team a point, now you gave them two points. And you know those times when you say mine and then your partner says mine? Or not or people say nothing and the ball just goes by and you look really stupid and you're embarrassed now not only are you embarrassed that nobody got the ball you just gave the other team two points
0: ouch i don't know if i want to play that game
1: yeah it's a very it's fun it's very and then i play another game called dropout and it forces a third shot drop so it's played just like pickleball there's a a team serves and you try to serve it the best you can without giving them a good return. And then the returning team tries to return it the best they can in order to make the serving team, not be able to do a third shot drop, but the game ends when the serving team hits the third shot. And if it drops in the kitchen, they get a point. If it doesn't drop into the kitchen side out.
0: So then it sounds like the goal of that one is for the serving return team to be hitting hard balls deep into the court, so it makes it more difficult to get that third shot over the net and into the kitchen.
1: Right. You're either trying to hit it in the middle to cause confusion, or you're trying to hit it deep to back the person up off the serving team back up, or you're trying to hit it to somebody's backhand because backhand third shot drops are so much harder than forehand third shot drops.
0: Now, in thinking about that that you called that the dropout drill, right? Yes. In thinking about that one, if I'm the serving team and I know that the goal is for the opposing team in this case to certainly hit it deep and hard into the court, where should I be standing as the server? How far, you know, should my toes be at the baseline or how far off do you actually recommend people standing from the baseline?
1: So... That's a that is a great question. Here's my answer. Stand in back of the baseline as long as you had a good deep serve. So there's only one thing that you can control in that scenario is where you serve it. So as long as you serve it where you wanted it to go and it's nice and deep into the opponent's return half of the court, then stay behind the baseline and watch where the ball is hit before you make your next move. If you don't serve it where you wanted it and it's a short serve, then you need to probably make a move sooner.
0: Right. And in terms of, so if I'm the server and I hit a relatively short serve and I would expect them for my opponents to probably be very aggressive with their serve return. So actually in that case, what I want to start off a little bit more behind the baseline than I normally would be
1: exactly that would that means you're going to have to back up right
0: okay makes sense
1: because they're probably going to do a drive shot now true true and so so you have to serve it deep to prevent the drive shot and then you really need to return it deep to prevent a good third shot drop
0: Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, we've actually talked a fair amount about the game of pickleball at this point. Some different drills talked about preparation, anticipation. I just want to circle back because your story at the beginning is very interesting. And I'm curious, where do you think you would be right now in your life if you would not have found pickleball?
1: That's a great question. In the last couple of years, since I've started playing pickleball, I've lost 40 pounds. So it's been a tremendous journey for me to lose a lot of the weight that I gained when I was almost completely immobile. So I don't believe I could have ever gotten this far without the game of pickleball. Another thing is there's no way in the world I would be living in Virginia. Virginia, right now, the living in Virginia happened because we found a piece of property that we could buy and turn into a pickleball resort. And I don't believe that I would have met the amazing amount of people, both internationally and domestically, that I have met and networked with as I have crisscrossed around the world and now around the country, introducing pickleball, playing pickleball, and meeting pickleball. So it's been a weight loss journey. I've moved from California to Virginia. So a journey of starting a whole life over again, and then a journey of meeting incredible people that I.
0: Christy, I think I lost you. I'm here. Okay. I'm going to, I'll edit that.
1: about that. I don't know when you lost me.
0: I think it was just right, right at the end of the journey from California to Virginia. Okay. No, no worries. I will edit that. So I'm, curious, Christy, what are your plans for the future in relationship to Pickleball, since you pretty much sound like you're pretty much all about Pickleball?
1: Yes, Yes, my life is all about Pickleball, in particular, opening up the resort. I would love it if more people would come to me in Virginia. So in the very near future, our hopes are to expand our resort, at least add another pickleball, indoor pickleball court hoping to add more accommodation so that I can provide more lessons, camps and clinics and more people from around the country can come visit me in Virginia and stay at my pickleball resort.
0: Awesome. So if somebody wants to get more information on your resort or just reach out to you and connect, where is the best place for them to do that?
1: That is a terrific question that I don't have a great answer for. I'm not on social media, Lynn. <laughs>
0: well, this is a podcast. So it, did you want to give your email or your website or how people can find yeah. the resort?
1: Great. So you can find my resort through Airbnb and hopefully you'll include the Airbnb link. And you can also email me at christyl for you at yahoo.com.
0: And go ahead and spell out that email address.
1: Probably a good idea. So it's K-R-I-S-T-I-E-L, the number four, the letter U at yahoo.com.
0: Perfect. Just to finish up, anything else that we should know about
1: today from you? I think what I'd like to talk about a little bit is that at my resort, It does have an indoor pickleball court so we can play no matter the season, no matter the weather, it has heating and cooling and lights. So a good thing about coming to my resort is that it's not weather dependent. I think one other thing I'd like to say about my resort is that Not everybody in all families play pickleball. It's a shame, but it's true. So people can come to my pickleball resort. And even if you don't play pickleball, maybe your spouse does or your kids do or your parents do. There's a lot of other things to do at my resort. We have an in-ground pool. We have kayaking. We have fitness trails. We have a gym. We have a game room. It's on a large farm with lots of acreage. So it's a beautiful, scenic, quiet private, beautiful place
0: to be. And how many people can stay there at one time?
1: Ideally, the best occupancy is eight, maybe 10. There's five bedrooms, four and a half baths. There's a main house and a guest house. But usually it works out that there about eight or 10 people at any given time.
0: Awesome. I will, maybe one day I will get out there. Like I said, the pictures are just absolutely amazing, beautiful place. And Christy, I thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast today.
1: You're welcome, Lynn. Great to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.